I'm not preaching today. I have a very special um, a speaker, a, a, a preacher uh, for us today. Okay. Um, uh, now, our, our preacher today is none other than our brother, Henrik Lee. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Now, I want to share with you a little bit because I used to lead a young adult cell called Arrow and Quiver. Okay, and when I had to, uh, uh, when I had to become his own leader, um, then uh, I appointed Henrik to lead that cell after me. Now, how many of you were part of, uh, are part of Arrow and Quiver or part of the previous version, uh, uh, which is now Bow and Arrow as well? If you've, if you've been in Arrow and Quiver under Henrik's cell leadership, can you make some noise? Yeah, yeah. So you can see that quite a few of us here have been touched by his leadership. Um, I want to share with you one anecdote. Right, one anecdote. Around the time when Henrik came to sell, uh, this was many years ago now, right? Um, I, uh, he and I spoke, I was a cell leader, and he told me that he would like to have coffee with me one day because he had a note in his Evernote app, right? He had a note with, um, with a few hundred, maybe hundred over um, uh, difficult questions. Uh, about his faith. And he said that, Pastor Fertz, no, I don't know, it wasn't Pastor Fertz, right? I was like, Fertz, right? He was like, Fertz, can I grab coffee with you one day? I want to go through all these questions with you one by one. And I said, yes, of course. And then, <laughs> true to form, uh, it, it took its time to happen. And after some time, when he eventually, uh, uh, I came to him and said, hey, Henry, remember that Evernote that you had? You wanted to work through some of the difficult questions. This was a couple of years later. I said, you want, you want to grab coffee one day, you know, and, and, and finally go through it? And he said, actually, most of it, you know, I found my answers in the course of growing up, in the course of going through life. And so actually, I don't need all of them answered anymore, but I still have some. And maybe I'll ask you one of these days, you know, and one of these days became a year on year of walking and serving together. And I share this anecdote with you to show you what a conscientious guy this is with the word and with his faith. Every time he's got something, he's got a question, he thinks about it, he puts it down, he seeks the answer. Sometimes he gets it from me, most of the time he gets it from the Lord directly and I praise God for that. Let's give a hand to the Lord for Henrik who will be giving us the word today. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much uh, for that very gracious introduction, uh, Pastor Fergus. Yeah, uh, right, just give me a second. Right, yes, thank you very much again uh, for having me and thank you, uh, Pastor Fergus and Church, you know, for, for entrusting me with this pulpit today. Um, again, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Henrik. I am one of the young adult cell leader here in, in Arrow and Quiver. And uh, yeah, I, I, I've essentially been a SIBKL lifer. I started attending uh, SIBKL since I, was, uh, since I was seven. And so it's been actually 22 years, right, since I've been in this church, right? And, and so, yeah, trust me, this is a, a really surreal experience for me. I never imagined that I would ever be giving and delivering a, a sermon here today. Um, but yeah, here I am. And I just want you to know that I take this responsibility extremely seriously. And, uh, and, and so... Please be extra gracious with me today as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, so, uh, before I even begin, right, just a quick show of hands. How many of you here have been ping ties or team movies at weddings before? Yeah? Oh, quite a number of you, man. Yeah, quite a number of you. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with, you know, the term ping tie and team movie, 
uh, it is like the Cantonese term for uh, bright, uh, sorry, groomsmen and bridesmaids, right? And so in, in Chinese weddings here, um, usually what happens is that the hing ties will be put through a series of, whoops, <laughs> will be put through a series of uh, games and challenges uh, with the aim to help the groom reach his bride, right? And the bride is usually hidden away in a, in a room somewhere in the house. And so, um, some, you know, these games, they're sometimes, uh, you know, a bit funny, they're ridiculous, sometimes a bit embarrassing because they make a fool out of themselves, but, but it's, it's all done in good fun, right? It's all done in good fun. And so, I, I know of a couple, I know of a couple who, who had their wedding right after the MCO was lifted. And so, it was a COVID wedding, right? And like all COVID weddings, the, the unexpected usually happens, right? And so, in this case, uh, some of the bridesmaids and, and even the maid of honor, you know, got hit with COVID. And, and so, uh, leading up to the actual event, uh, not everyone could, could be there for the rehearsals, not everyone could be there for the meetings. And so, not everyone was on the same page, right? So, on the actual day itself, uh, everyone was a little bit all over the place, you know, it was a little bit chaotic. Um, and, and of course, some of the games and the props, they also weren't as well prepared. I remember one of the games, uh, they, it required quite a number of uh, glasses, like shot glasses and all that. Um, but uh, you know, the, they, it, they, they didn't prepare enough of it, right? And so the bridesmaids had to kind of like uh, go to the kitchen and try to find, um, you know, different types of glasses to, to make do with it. And the important thing was that the bridegroom, I'm uh, sorry, the bride was, was in her own room. So she didn't see any of this and she didn't, and you know, she was none the wiser. Um, everything, you know, have, uh, they still made, made do and had fun and all. But the straw that actually broke the camel's back was that when the bridal party was leaving uh, to the next location to finish up the ceremony and all, uh, because the, the team was and, and, and all the things I say, didn't really know exactly what their assignments were, what their roles were. Uh, they actually left behind some of the gifts and the presents um, and even more importantly, the angpaos, right? Angpaos with the money in it. They left it in the previous location, right? And so, of course, when they got there, eventually, you know, uh, they, they found out and then, you know, the bride, the bride was a, a bit upset and, and a bit annoyed and it was a stressful situation. And, and so, they had to send people to, to get it. And, and yeah, I kind of left people with a little bit of bad taste in the mouth. But I think, you know, they, it's all good. They patched up now and everything. So, I tell you this story um, because today I'm actually going to be sharing from uh, the parable of 10 virgins and that's found in Matthew 25 verse 1 to 13, right? And so in a short while, we're going to read the scripture together. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to break it down into three major movements today, right? And we're going to try to draw some lessons from each, each movement. And by the end of the service, uh, I hope to have impressed upon you and help you reflect on three key questions for today right? Are you really prepared? Can we depend on borrowed all? And does God truly know you? All right, now maybe let's turn our Bibles to Matthew 25 verse 1 to 13. Uh, on a count of three, maybe let's read it together. Yeah, one, two, three. At that time, who took their lambs and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lambs but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took all in jars along with their lambs. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. 
At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your all, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell all and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the time or the hour. Maybe let, let me just open with a quick word of prayer before I, I begin. Lord, just want to thank you for, for today, for this word that you have given me. And Lord, I just want to pray um, that even as I share with whatever, share whatever you've planted in my heart, Lord, that Lord, I just pray that this will take seed in every single person who is sitting in this, in this hall today, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that whatever, whatever you have to release to us, I pray that it will just take effect in our own lives, Lord, and that it will uh, take effect in our own journey and our own walk with you, Lord. So I just want to commit this time into your hands. And I just want to praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So verse 1 says, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lambs and went out to meet the bridegroom. So, so it's quite clear to us, right, that, that in, in, this parable starts with a wedding, right? And back then, uh, the weddings, uh, there, there were three stages to the Jewish wedding, right? Um, the first one would be the engagement, where there would be a formal agreement between the fathers and the families, because back then, most of these marriages were, were arranged, right? The second stage would be the betrothal, right? Where the ceremony and the exchange of promises actually takes place. And of course, the third and final one would be the actual marriage, where approximately one year later, the bridegroom will actually come back at an unexpected time for his bride. And so during um, this marriage, you know, when, when the groom actually arrives, what happens is the bridesmaids had to first go out to, to, meet, the bride, uh, to meet the groom and, and to meet his party with their lamps lighted, right? And so they would welcome them and they would conduct uh, the, the groom and his party into the house and ultimately to his wife. And so in this parable, uh, the first two stages had already taken place, right? We're looking at the marriage here now. And, and we know in verse 5, it says the bridegroom was a long time incoming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. And so we know that, that he was late, the groom was late, and nobody knew when to expect him. We move on to verse 2, right? And verse 2 is where we are first introduced to the wise and foolish virgins. Uh, sorry, we move on to verse 2, yeah. And that's where we, we, we first uh, hear of these uh, wise and foolish virgins, right? And, and why were they labeled so? Why, why were five of them wise? Why were five of them foolish? It says in verse 3, um, because uh, the, the foolish ones took the lamb but did not take any all with them. And the wise ones, they took... Uh, they, they, they took all in jars along with their lambs. And so this is the main uh, difference, the, the, the main key distinguisher between uh, the wise and the foolish, right? And so just to give you some context of the lambs um, that, that, that is referred to in this parable, uh, the original Greek word used here for lambs actually usually referred to torch, right? Like, you know, torches are, right? And so back then, the torch would actually look like a, a long stick and uh, towards the top of the stick, there would actually be a dish or a plate. And on top of that, they would usually wrap a piece of rag or rope around it. And this is usually soaked in oil 
And so of course, when you light it up, it usually lasts for about 10, 15 minutes, right? And so one thing that I actually didn't notice before studying this text, I kind of always took it for granted that the foolish virgins couldn't even light their lamps because it says in, in verse three, right? That they didn't take any, all of them. So I always thought, you know, before, you know, studying this text again, I always thought they couldn't even light their lamps. But actually, um, what does verse seven and eight say? Verse seven and eight says that the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. What does trim their lamp actually mean here, right? The literal translation would mean to, to put their torches in order, right? Essentially to, to light up their torches. And, and verse 8 continues, uh, the foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. And so we know, we know that actually the foolish ones, they did light up their torch. And, and the, the only difference was that, you know, they didn't come prepared enough, right? And, and yeah, granted, it's kind of more, they were more prepared than I gave them credit for. And so actually, if you look at the whole parable and you read through it, if, if you know, I realized that if this distinguish, I mean, sorry, if this distinction wasn't, there's this distinction of the extra jars of oil, if it wasn't made early on at the start of the parable, uh, it would actually have been hard to, to distinguish the level of preparation between them, right? On the surface of it, it would seem like both the wise and the foolish were both equally prepared. And why do I say this? Well, because first of all, both the wise and the foolish, they were at the same wedding at the same time. They were serving the same bride and they were serving the same groom. Uh, they, they, both of them, they came in with their lamps, but they all also both became drowsy and they fell asleep. And of course, they also woke up at the same time. They trimmed their lamps at the same time, but more importantly, both of them had the same assignment. Both of them had the same call. So what does this mean for us then? What does this mean for us as Christians reading this parable today? It means that you can look like the person sitting right next to you in church. It means that you can look like your fellow cell members. You could potentially even look like your cell leaders, right? In, in terms of uh, the outward performance of all these religious duties. Um, but the differential, the differential between the wise and the foolish here came in the preparation. It came in the preparation before the whole wedding even starts. It came in a preparation before the groom even arrives. And it starts with the intention and the work that the wise maidens actually put in before the groom's coming. So how can we tell apart then? How can we tell apart the superficial from the substance then, right? Um, it's actually when you have to hold your own torch and keep it burning throughout the night, right? And so my first question for you, my first point and my first question that I pose to you today um, is are you really prepared, right? Do we have the reserve of all? Do we have the reserve of faith that is required to keep our lights burning? And this is not just for when the groom actually comes, right? It's not just for, it's not just in, in, in this context, but it's also for our everyday lives, right? In the, throughout the trials and tribulations of our lives, throughout the high and low points, uh, it's for when, even when tragedy strikes, right? That, that shakes, you know, our own faith to the core, because a lot of us, we seem prepared. Uh, like, like the maidens in this parable, they were there, you know, at the right place at the right time with the, the torches and all that. They seem prepared. And, and many of us, we attend church, we are in cells, we, we do the right things, we, we tithe, and we even, you know, some of us, we even serve. We have, some of us were here at 8.30 a.m., you know, preparing. I think the worship team was at 7.30. And so, um, but, you know, actually, uh, oh, 8, sorry, 8, yeah, uh, 30 minutes later. But, you know, actually upon closer inspection, right, um, when push comes to shove, uh, and if you're really honest with ourselves, do we actually have enough in our reserves to see us through all this, right? 
And, and just like the virgins and the maidens in this parable, you know, during the calmness of the night, while we lay slumber and we wait, have we been faithfully depositing all into our jars to make sure that our light keeps burning? Are you really prepared? As I BKL, that's when I will. I want to move on to the second movement of this parable, right? And that is found in uh, verse 6 to verse 9. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell all and buy some for yourselves. Church, my second point is this. Can we depend on borrowed all? Verse 8 actually says, I'll repeat again. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. Could also mean that our faith is going out. Our trust in God is going out. Our patience to wait on God is going out. And of course, we know how the wise replied, right? We know how they replied after this. And so the lesson is this. We simply cannot rely on borrowed faith. We cannot rely on somebody else's oil. You know, I always like to, <laughs> I like to make this joke with myself. Um, uh, or rather, rather, you know, recalling, you know, some funny anecdotes about growing up in church. And one of the things I realized about myself was that, you know, during altar calls, and by the way, this wasn't, you know, it didn't matter who the speaker was, right? As if it was a guest speaker or if it was one of our pastors, but every time there was an altar call, and if I was to uh, respond to that altar call, I would find myself always trying to stand uh, as close as possible to the pastor, right? Um, and, and, you know, or, or I would try to stand like in the path of where he was walking, right? During the altar calls. And that's because I didn't want the leaders to pray for me. I didn't want the ushers to pray for me. I only wanted the pastor to pray for me, right? I always thought, oh, the pastor, sure, you know, he's anointing double portion. So whatever he pray for me, sure will come true, right? That's, that was how I thought, right? And I see some of you laughing. I know I can't be the only one who can relate to this, right? And so, um, yeah, you know, this, this is, you know, one prime example of how I was, you know, relying on somebody else's borrowed faith, right? Um, and, and some of us who we may not be as confident in our own faiths, uh, we rely on our spouse, we rely on our partners, we rely on our cell leaders, our cell members, we rely on our pastors, right? Um, but, but don't get me wrong, okay? Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that for all is wrong, right? I, I, that there is definitely still a place for this in our own spiritual journeys, right? Uh, because a lot of us, while we are still new Christians, so while we are still spiritual babes, um, we, we have to learn, right? We, and we learn through the models around us. We learn through the people that God has placed in our lives to journey uh, this walk with us. And, and the, 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 the warning is this, though. The warning is this. Borrowed all can only take you so far, right? Remember verse 9. Verse 9 says, uh, no, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go and, I paraphrase, get some for yourselves, right? It may not be enough for both of us and you. And actually, um, Hebrews 5 verse 13 to 14 kind of puts this into perspective for us, right? Um, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And so church, I have news for you, right? If you have been 
feeding on spiritual milk for the past five, 10 years of, of your journey, um, you know, your, your growth, our growth has been severely stunted, right? And we are so ill-equipped uh, for this world. We're so ill-equipped to be uh, good hing tais and zimuis for, for our groom, right? For God who is coming back for this church. Um, and as we continue to grow and as we continue to mature in our own walk with God, so must the spiritual food that we partake in reflect this growth, right? Uh, you know, if uh, a key example would be like, if we have questions, if, if we have doubts, if we have struggles, you know, bring it to God, right? Bring it to God and wrestle with it because, you know, you don't, don't just leave it because if you do, the world will answer it for you. Yeah, the world will answer it for you. And, and if you struggle feeling close to God, like I think a lot of us can relate to that, right? Then when is it actually the last time that you've been intentional, that you've been consistent in your own quiet time and in your own worship and prayers unto Him? There are also many forms of borrowed oil, right? There are many forms of borrowed oil. It's, it, it's not just about depending on, on the people around you, but it is also in the form of yesterday's faith, right? Like, that'll be like me trying to sustain my current walk with God uh, with what happened in youth church 10 years ago, right? It, it doesn't work that way. Um, you know, for some of us, it's the big events that does it for us. You know, it is the, you know, the concerts and musicals and you know, the excitement from the rallies and even church camps, right? That we rely on and that we use as spiritual crutches. And, you know, someone in myself had this to say about this, right? When you're around bright light all the time, you don't realize that yours is getting dim. Yeah? How, how, I, and I found that to be so relatable, right? So profound and so relatable. When you're in church and when you're in cell, you're consistently surrounded by all these people around you who, you know, they seem committed in their own faith and, and their own spiritual walk. And it's so easy to be, to be carried away and swept up by all that and to ride on their faith and just cruise along, right? But how was COVID lockdown for you? You know, how was COVID lockdown for you what was the state of your spiritual life and your relationship with God when all these different crutches and all the people were taken away and it was just between you and God, right? Were you still, you know, on fire? Were you, did you manage to keep some semblance of your spiritual habits or did you slump and did you just kind of let things go, let things slide, right? I can't answer that for you, but I mean, for myself, I know that I definitely struggle, right? And if it wasn't for myself and the community that I've, been planted and rooted in in Sungai Bulo, it would it would definitely I would have definitely been in a much worse state than that, um, and 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 I just want to encourage you, you know, bring it to God, commit it to Him, and and just remember that the main differential between the wise and the foolish virgins was the intention and the preparation before the groom came, right? Um, just just over the last week, I I had to send my car in to the workshop, right, and uh. Uh, my aircon was 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 spoiled, and you know it was getting impossible to drive in in our Malaysian weather in this heat, right? So I had to send it in, and as as all of you know by now, you know there's this whole global supply chain disruption and supply shortage, and and so the workshop told me, oh, it take almost close to two weeks to just to get my my car fixed, right? And so in the meantime, I've actually been driving, uh, I've been driving my dad's car, right? And for those of you who have ever driven a borrowed car or a car that is not yours, you know that you are not as confident in it. You know that it is unfamiliar to you, right? And just like a borrowed car, borrowed faith is unfamiliar, right? You have no confidence in borrowed faith. When the time comes, when you need to exercise your own faith, I don't know how to use someone else's, right? 
um, and, and you don't feel as safe in a borrowed car, right? You, I, I wouldn't dare to take uh, a borrowed car to, to places uh, and, and I wouldn't dare to do with it what I would do with my own car. And that's just the same as leaning on somebody else's faith, right? It will not carry you into the face of risk and danger. So church, we need to build our own reserves. We cannot depend on borrowed oil. Even in my, 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 my journey so far, yeah, I, I, I grew up in a Christian home, right? So I'm, trust me, I'm far too familiar with this whole concept of borrowed faith, especially being in church for so long as well. And uh, uh, my parents, you know, they still gave me my, the freedom to navigate my faith and explore it on my own. And, uh, but there were so many parts of my, my life, right? Especially in my early years, in my teenage years, where I was still pretty heavily dependent on their faith, on their prayers, on, on my pastors as well, right? And, and you heard Pastor Fergus' uh, introduction of me earlier on. But what you didn't hear was the season of my life that I was in right before that, right? Because when I went abroad to Australia to study, I pretty much, you know, pretty much left church. Right? I pretty much, uh, I mean, for, for lack of a better word, backslided right? Um, and, and even after coming back to KL, I still kind of, uh, you know, kept my distance. I was still kind of doing my own thing and all that. But of course, I came back, you know, of course, I came back uh, to church. Of course, I came back to God. And of late, I know there's a lot of, you know, talk and self-reflection about, you know, the role that big events have and, and big visible events and big churches. I know that it has, there's a lot of talk on, on what, what it actually plays our own spiritual walk and journey. But, but I can tell you this, right? I came back because of the foundation and the relationships that I have built over the years in this church, in SIBKL. And I was a direct beneficiary of, of, of this church sowing into my life. And some of these people, you know, which I had the privilege of being discipled and sold by over the, the 22 years that I was in SIBKL, they, they included the likes of, you know, Pastor Andy and Pastor Daniel, you know, for some of you who've been around enough to remember, long enough to remember them. Uh, and of course, later on, Pastor Lindy in Poos, which was our campus ministry and and, and now Pastor Fergus, right? And so in many ways, um, sometimes I found that I was actually riding on their faith. I was riding on, on the high of youth church, right? And, um, and, and, and eventually when the, the first time of testing actually showed up in my life in the form of me actually studying abroad in Australia, uh, the cracks really started to show. The cracks started to show, right? And of course, when I came back several years later, of course, I had to grow up. And as I entered the world as an adult, and as I started coming back to God, you know, as, as what Pastor Fergus mentioned earlier on, you know, I, I wasn't satisfied. I was still wrestling with a lot of these uh, questions and, and my faith. And, and, uh, and, and I had to find my own answers. Right? But over the course of this, you know, my faith and my own relationship with God had to grow as well. And, and, and then came the second form of testing, right? And this testing came in the form of Pastor Fergus asking me to take over him as cell leader in Arrow and Quiver, right? And at that time, I, I remember I was the youngest. I was one of the newer ones. And, and you know, for, for whatever reason, for whatever wisdom that God had placed on him, uh, he asked me to, to take over. And I've been, I have actually been uh, cell leading uh, Arrow and Quiver for about, you know, roughly seven years now. And, uh, and I realized, you know, in my early years of leading, I was actually sowing into the cell from a place of, of from, a, from a spiritual well that was lacking, right? It was, it was very functional for me, right? Um, whenever I had to do word or lead cell, then I would, you know, quickly go and make a deposit into that spiritual well so that I had something to draw from. And, uh, 
and, and all I can say is this, after, after this seven years and looking back, God has been extremely gracious to me. He was and is still gracious to this day, right? Because he met me where I was at. And whatever little that I had, whatever little that I could offer, I committed it to him, surrendered it to him, and he took it, and he multiplied it, and he topped it up. And, and, and here I am standing, you, standing in front of you today, right? So church, please build your own reserves. I want to move on to the third movement, right? And this third movement is found in verse 10 to 13. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. I just want to draw your attention to verse 12, right? Truly, I tell you, I don't know you. What a, what a scary thing to hear from God's mouth, you know, when you're knocking at the door to be let in. What a scary thing to hear, you know, especially for, 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 for the maidens, right? For the foolish ones who were actually there the whole time. They were there together with the wise. And all of a sudden, you know, God says, actually, I don't know you. And this was the groom relating to the maidens personally, right? I don't know you. A very personal thing to say. What does that actually mean? What does that mean in this parable? It could mean, you know, I don't recognize you. I don't see any semblance of myself in you. I've never spent time with you. I have no relationship with you, right? And so my third question to you is, does God truly know you? Do you have a personal relationship with him? One of the observations, you know, that was made um, when I was sharing this with myself, actually, uh, was that the foolish maidens were actually there together with the wise uh, virgins in the same room, right? They were there at the same place at the same time. So they were there together and they were there for a long time because, you know, the groom was late. And so you could therefore safely assume that the foolish ones could actually see the jars of all that the wise virgins had actually prepared. But for whatever reason, you know, they weren't pushed, they weren't inspired, they weren't influenced to go and prepare it themselves, right? They didn't bother. They thought, you know, I could just borrow it when, if I need it when the time of need comes or, you know, I can quickly just go and get a bit more, you know, when the groom, before the groom arrives and all. And, and all of us, we are in the same church, you know, we are in the same, some of us are in the same cells and we, we see and we know the people around us who have this extra capacity. We see and we know the people who have already have this uh, a jar of all with them. But what are you doing with your own jar? You know, in fact, back then, the foolish virgins, uh, you know, how, how torches work, it would have been second nature to them, right? You know, it, it, they would have known how long it would usually last uh, on, on, you know, one soak of oil, right? Um, it would be like if you are prepared, you are preparing for a drive to Johor with like just 20 ringgit in your gas tank. You know that's not possible and it, you, it's second nature to you by now. And, and the way the foolish virgins acted and responded to the, this whole event while they were waiting together with the wise, it, to me, it reflected their desire and the effort that they were willing to put in to prepare the way for the groom. And the groom knew. And I believe that that is why the groom said, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Can we turn our Bibles to Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23? I'm just going to read it off the screen. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. When I first read this uh, chunk of passage, um, it, it seemed kind of odd and strange to me, right? Because here you have these you know, disciples of Christ or rather self-proclaimed disciples of Christ doing all these signs and wonders and all these miracles and all these good deeds. They were doing it, in fact, in the name of God, right? How did God respond to them? You know, he said, I don't know you. Get away from me, you evildoers, right? So what does this mean? It means that our religious duties do not guarantee your personal salvation, right? Fulfilling your religious duties, they're not the same thing as having a, a personal relationship and fellowship and having a personal spiritual walk with God, right? At the end of the day, you can, you can say all the right words, you can, do all the good thing, uh, good, you can do all the right things, but you can still be spiritually dead inside, right? And ultimately, God seeks you out, right? He seeks you out for an intimate and personal relationship with him. You know, when the groom actually shut the door on the maidens, um, he could have said and he could have given, you know, a hundred different reasons. Um, but what he said was actually very telling. He said that I don't know you. And so to God, it's all about a personal relationship. And are we being good Hing Tais and Simus to the groom who is coming for his bride? Do we know the groom? Do we know his heart? Do we know his character and his expectations of us? You know, um, can I have the worship team up? Uh, parable, this, this whole parable, you know, it ends um, with verse, um, verse 13. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. The good news is that this window, it hasn't closed for us, right? The door to the wedding banquet is still open. And just like in an exam, uh, you, you can't cram it all the day before and expect to still do well and still pass the test. So how do you actually make yourself known to God, right? Well, it's, I mean, the answer is pretty simple. I think all of us know, right? We, we have to put in that work. We have to spend time with Him. We have to put in the preparation uh, before the groom arrives. When you go through the difficult moment, process it in the eyes of God and allow Him to undergo an open heart surgery and allow Him into the darkest and the hidden corners in your life, right? And even as I start to close today, we have to ask, you know, what was what's actually the point of the oil in this whole parable? What, did the, what was the role of this oil uh, for the maidens, right? And the answer is this. It was for the virgins to finish the journey and to light the way. And when the groom returns, and as you knock on the door to the banquet, you don't get to give an account to God as a church. You don't give to get, give an account to God as a cell. You don't even give, get to give it as, as a couple or as a family, right? You have to stand individually before Him to give your own personal account to Him. And so, just like good Heng Thais and Simuis to our group, right? Even as we prepare for His coming, even as we prepare for the hour that we do not know that's coming, we need to know 
the assignment that he is calling you to. And you need to know what the journey requires and what and allow God in so that he can equip you and he can build your reserve. I'm just going to close this time with a word of prayer and then I'm going to in, in a short while invite Pastor Fergus up uh, to close us and to also uh, you know, uh, bring us to a time of communion with him. And uh, yeah, maybe all eyes closed and all heads bowed. Lord, I just want to thank you um, for this word that you have given to us. I just want to pray, Lord, and I just want to I just want to speak your word into, into this, this room, Lord. And whatever, whatever parts of our life that we need convicting, whatever parts of our life that, that needs correction, Lord, I pray that you would even just gently correct us and, and you would gently remind us of, of the goodness, of your faithfulness uh, in our lives over these last years. Lord, I just want to pray um, that even as we, even as we are, uh, uh, this word that has been released into this atmosphere today, Lord, I just want to pray that you will continue to, to, to knock on the doors of our heart, that you will continue to even call us and to gently remind us, Lord, that, that you are here and that you ultimately want a personal and intimate relationship with us, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that even as we leave the doors of this church today, I pray that this, this message that has been released will even take seed in our own lives, that, it will, that, that um, this word will, 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 will produce fruits and, and, and ultimately draw us closer back into your presence, Lord, into your embrace. So, Lord, I just want to thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's just remain in this posture of worship and of communion with, with the Lord. In a moment, we will be serving the Lord's Supper. Um, so let's just remain in this attitude and posture of reverence before the Lord. Indeed, what Henrik shared is so true. That when the differentiator, the differentiator between one and another is really the preparation that you do beforehand. It's really what's going to set apart whether your torch stays burning through the long night of every difficult season of your life. It is in your communion with the Lord. Yes, Lord. That which you have spoken, I will obey. That which you have spoken, I will yield to you and trust you. Thank you. Thank you for revealing yourself to me. Thank you for being here. Church, let us now pray. Father, I thank you. May you continue to grace my days and my nights. May you continue to, to water uh, um, uh, the ground on which I stand. May you continue to be filled in my torch. To light my way. For your word also says that your word is a light unto my path. Father, I pray that your light will always light up my path so that I can take the next step forward. I take it in trust in you. For I've walked with you. I know you are good. I know you are faithful. Your promises still stand. May the Lord bless you now and keep you. May the Lord turn His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His countenance toward you and give you peace. And all of God's people, 
Shout aloud. Amen. Amen. Amen, church. Church, I'm going to ask you guys, did you enjoy and were you blessed by that sermon by Henrik? If you were, can you make some noise? Can you make some noise? Because I want to make some noise. I've got good news for you, church. I've got very good news for you. If you, if you were blessed by watching and seeing one of our own, go from the pew up to the pulpit and share the word like this with such conviction and such heart and such tenderness and such grace. I want to, I've got good news for you. From now until November, we have a new team of preachers, young new preachers, not just young, but young in this in this vocation, right? Um, who will be coming up to take the pulpit to share the word of God with all of us. And this is really because in this church we believe that that you're not called to come in here just to be a consumer. You're called to contribute to one another, another. And not everyone's gonna be called to this, you know, but a handful of them have. So I want you to enjoy the upcoming months when more of our friends. Are going to be coming up on stage like this to the pulpit to share God's word. Thank you so much, Henry. I'm so proud of you. So proud of you. If you are visiting with us, you know, please don't rush home. Uh, just join us for a cup of coffee here, you know, and, and grab someone here and go out for lunch after the service as well. Until we see each other again, bye bye. Yay. <laughs>